Thanks again to everyone supporting us on the podcast through Patreon. Patreon allows our listeners an opportunity to contribute to the podcast and allow us to bring you great guests and content each week. Thank you to all of our patrons and a special shout out to Jonathan Lambert for being our largest donor. You too can become a patron by visiting patreon.com slash mentors, the number four M-I-L. This podcast is sponsored by Uncana, trusted natural solutions. Uncana is a leading voice of advocacy for CBD in the veteran LEO and federal communities. Veteran owned and operated, the Uncana team is actively fighting for DOD access to CBD with political pressure, community support, and a simple message. Hashtag OpNatural. Uncana is vertically integrated with industry leaders from seed to sell, supplying premium small batch products to America's best. Use code mentors the number four MIL at checkout at uncana.com to receive your amazing discount. Read the Mentors for Military disclaimer at mentorsformilitary.com slash disclaimer. Mentors for Military Podcast. First off, welcome to the show, Savannah, because I think Alex is the one that introduced us. And she was talking to me. I can't remember if it was offline or online during the podcast where she said, oh, I know somebody you're going to want to talk to. And then I got yeah. one and then I got one of those texts, you know, like, hey, this is the person I was talking to you about. And it was your Instagram page. And I'm like, well, then connect this. So here we are after all the back and forth, trying to do the dates and everything else. And I can't wait to dive into your background because it's going to be a, a very unique thing. I can't wait to see all of the social media attacks that we're going to get. <laughs> I guarantee you it's going to happen. You know, um, Alex, as you, you probably saw on Alex, you know, on her page and everything, it was just people who didn't listen to the show, saw girl, saw Marsock automatically went into attack mode and there we have it, you know, so be be prepared for it. Uh, just, uh, (laughs) (laughs) so let's start diving into the uh, very beginning. Uh, first off, what's your humble beginnings? Where'd you come from? I grew up in Cape Cod, Massachusetts, so it's just a really small town. Um, I have a twin brother, and he actually joined the Marine Corps nine months before I did. Um, So I went to college for a year, and then when I went to his graduation, I was like, oh, this is awesome. This is cool. I want to do this. So that's what I decided to do. Yeah. So when you first came in, did you go 0331, or what did you end up going into? Yeah. So he... I. Uh, started as like logic logistics option, which is, I think like there's three different choices that they can put you in. And, okay. um, I ended up with ammunition technician, which is not that fun of a job. You just count <laughs> and, you know, like maintain ammo in the magazines where we keep them. Um, but I didn't know that until after infantry training. So my brother had gone, um, through with like, I think one of the first few rounds when they were doing that study. Mm-hmm. Um, and I visited him down at camp Geiger and I was like, I saw the, one of the female machine gunners with him and she was jacked. So I was like, Oh, that's so cool. I was like, I want to do that. And at that time I was still in the depth. Um, but I had made the decision, like if they're still doing the study, I'm definitely going to do that. Um, so they called me to go to boot camp, like, a couple months early and I was like, yeah, I'll do it. 
And luckily I did say yes, because um, I think I was the second to last group to cycle through ITB. So I went from boot camp to ITB and then to my MOS school in Fort Lee, Virginia. And then I went to Okinawa. That was my first duty station as an animal tech. Okay, so let's back up. Were you the first girl to make it all the way through or was the no. other person? Okay. So I was the ninth female machine gunner to pass through that POI. Okay. Um, at that time, they had already collected all the data they needed for, I think, um, assaultmen and for just riflemen. So they had only allowed the females. I think I started with 24 females in my class um, and they split us up 50-50. So like 12 went to mortarman and 12 went to machine gunner. Um, and they just divided that up through um, like our test. They chose the higher score for the mortarman because they have a higher GP score and then they sent everyone else to machine gunner. So. It's, it's so funny. Of course, I do Google just like everybody else to do research. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a page called the balancedcareers.com page where, you know, when I Googled 0331 and I wanted to understand a little bit more about it and what you actually went through, I thought it was so hilarious that this is a quote that comes right out of it. 31s, as they called them tend to be bigger and stronger Marines and many do second weightlifting workouts of the day to build the strength needed to carry the extra rounds and heavy equipment. So there you have it, Savannah. There's you. (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) (laughs) I thought that was so hilarious reading that because I thought, okay, so all these dudes that say, you know, that women can't hang or whatever, I guess you got a different 7.62. You got different ammo. They must have made it specifically for the females in. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think um, (laughs) a lot of the instructors, their, like, point was to try to – like, I don't want to say a lot of instructors because there's a, a lot of instructors that I have a lot of respect for and that they were completely fair to me. But some of them, like, wanted to break females' hips because that's what was happening. Females were breaking their hips or getting injuries, and they wanted to put more weight on them so there would be that um, higher attrition rate. Um, so I guess, like, I knew, like, oh, machine gunners are big. Like, we had this one kid, I think he was, like, 6'2 and, like, 250 pounds. I'm, like, looking at him, I'm like, oh, God. Like, what am I going to do? I'm 5'5", five, five, and... Like at that point, I think I was like 140. So I was like, I can't compare to that. But, you know, I have like a big pride thing. And like, I'm not going to let them like beat me. So like I tried to like carry more than maybe I should have. But I didn't really struggle with that part of it because ITB is like the basic level of Mm -hmm. everything. Can you um, talk a little bit about, because you didn't just like wake up one morning and say, oh, I'm going to do this. What did you do in high school? I mean, you're, you're a twin. So were you always like competing with your brother? How, what did that look yeah. like? Um, so like younger, I was always um, the bigger twin. So um, I was baby A and he was baby B. So I was, Is that what it was? Stealing, <laughs> starting from the womb, I guess. First for um, food. <laughs> exactly. I was sitting on his umbilical cord, so he wasn't getting the nutrients. But oh, that's hilarious. Up until I think fifth grade, I was bigger than he was. Um, and I remember him getting bigger than me and I was like, this isn't fair. So, but I would compete with him. I would play on my teams, like in the girls leagues. And then, um, I would play, go to his practices as well. So, um, I was a four sport athlete. I did, um, soccer basketball softball and track and field so i was constantly in a season yeah pretty much an all-around like strong fit person oh yeah no and then did you do anything special to get ready for that training did you road march no honestly just um like my brother told me what he did so i was like okay i have to be able to do pull-ups and like i think the first time i did pull-ups in the depth was like i did three and then like two weeks later i was doing 14 and then um, I got up to like 23. 
So I was like, you know, like this isn't, you know, it's not too hard. There's uh, a benefit but, to weighing 140 and not 240. Yeah, right there. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And um, running, like I did track, it was short distance. So I never really liked running, but um, that whole pride thing I had, I was like, I don't want people to beat me. So, yeah, I, you know, I guess I'm going to have to run faster. Um, so I did, I did um, fine with running, but I just did like, I trained according to the IST, which is like the initial strength test, um, one and a half mile run, uh, max pull-ups and max crunches. So I trained in that, um, in the CFT before I went to boot camp. I didn't do anything specific because at that point I like, I was like, I want to be in the infantry, but I didn't, I didn't think it was an option because it still wasn't open to females. Yeah. So how was it then as you started uh, coming out of the program and you've got all your now peers who are males within this, this school and the whole thing, mm-hmm. how did that, how did it all start coming together? Where did, were you readily accepted by these guys as, as you went through the training and after you finished and stuff, or was it still a bit of, well, maybe there might've been a little bit different standards or I'm just curious as to how that, because as you know, what mm-hmm. we get now is that there's two sets of standards. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, like within the beginning, like, um, a lot of people, so we start off, everyone's kind of like, we're all boots. So everyone's all excited, all motivated. We don't really, um, there isn't really that bias, I guess yet. And I mean, I'm, I'm sure there is like, Oh, like they can obviously tell I'm a girl. Um, but at ITB, like I got along with everyone. Great. I pulled my own weight. Um, at like some points there would be girls that were, you know, falling behind, but there were also males that were doing that too. But of course, like the um, females like highlighted, I guess, because they are a female, but I never had that issue. So I got along with everyone in my class. Mm. So what happened then after that, after you get done with the training, you said you went off Okinawa as your first assignment and stuff. A logistics unit in Okinawa first. So I went from ITB infantry training battalion to um, my ammo tech school in Fort Lee, Virginia. Then I got orders to, um, ammo company which we were just supporting like um like the 31st mu and then all the operations in okinawa so um i was just support for the first two years of my enlistment i walked in there i remember walking to my mls school because i like i had my camis from itb they had carbon all over them from like the guns and they were like because I guess, like, in one set, you have, like, your field camis, and, like, all my camis were field camis at that point, and um, everyone else had gone through MCT, so they didn't, they weren't in the field as long as I had been, and I I remember walking in, and my staff sergeant was like, okay, you need to raise your blouses, and you need to get new camis, and I was like, oh, okay, so that was my first stint at that, was, okay, I don't look the appearance of, I guess, a uh, um, a support role does so I had to get new camis and everything um, and from there I just like was waiting it was just a waiting game for when they were going to open those jobs to females because I knew like the way like I guess society was going there was no way that they couldn't um, yeah. it was too much of a you know like there was no way they could say no to doing that so once those two years went by I was in Oki for like a year and a half and I actually was in Fuji doing, they called it Fuji Warrior. It's basically like ITB, but they just take a bunch of um, like pogues and have them uh, like they, they have like TRT. So tactical readiness training, it's grunt stationed in Okinawa and they um, train, um, they'll take uh, pogues out and teach them like, I guess stuff that you'll learn at ITB, just a little bit more advanced from MCT. And um, I was in Fuji and um, I had this, captain come up to me and I, I like he was like uh do you have all your serialized gear on you and I was like yeah, I think so I'm checking my pocket and 
like I have my rifle on me. So I'm like, yeah, I've got everything. And um, so I'm starting to freak out because I'm like, did I lose something? And he's like, oh, um, well, tomorrow you report to Camp Geiger. And I'm like, I already did ITB. Like, are you kidding me? They're going to make me do it again? Um, this is after I had submitted my lat move. But he was like, no, you're going to advanced machine gunner school. And I was like, oh, nice. what's that? What's that? Because <laughs> I'd never heard of it before. Um, and one of the um, instructors at TRT, he, is, he was a machine gunner. So he was kind of telling me about it. He's like, oh, it's going to be terrible. I'm like, oh, great. No. He told me about like Manchet Fridays and I'm like, what is that? And it's just like a sleigh fest. And so I'm like anticipating something terrible. So I get um, flown from Fuji to Oki, then Oki to North Carolina for two weeks of training with um, the Marine Corps Combat Instructor course. They mm-hmm. had uh, the Commandant had tasks tasked them to train um, them to train the first female um, rifleman, mortarman. And then I was the first female machine gunner um, before they sent us to the advanced schools. And, um, integrated or non-integrated? Integrated, integrated. Okay. So okay. I was the only female in my class, and then they were the only females in their two classes. Um, and that was, they were keeping tabs on us the, the entire time. So like our instructors had to do special reports. We had to go in and like write like, you know, how we felt about this, which was kind of annoying. Um, yeah. But do you think that that was, set them up where people would assume then that you're getting special privilege because uh, normally other people wouldn't be watched and observed as much yeah. and under a microscope? Yeah. So like I remember um, specifically we were um, like cleaning up like Dunnage and everything and they had pulled me over because combat camera wanted to do an interview with me. And um, I was like, well, that's kind of BS. Like, yeah, I get to get out of cleaning up, but like it's I knew like. I knew how people were perceiving it. I knew like, sure. I didn't want to be singled out and that's how I felt. So they did like an after action report. And, um, one of my instructors, he was like, maybe you should, uh, like put on there, like stop taking me out like a classroom because you're singling me out. So I was like, you know what? You're right. Like I, and I put that down totally. there. So that, that went directly to the commandant because he was very like, um, I guess very interested in how we were doing during that. I was the only one to pass the course. So I think the, uh, Mortarman, she was dropped maybe three weeks in, and then the 11, she was dropped um, the week of graduation. Oof. So I was the only one, only female graduating in an advanced level school at that point, um, which was pretty cool, but it was still like, it was weird. How so? Um, I don't know, like, because normally everything else I've had, I've had like females with me. You know, there's always been um, like, I've had, I guess, like a buddy around me and at this point I didn't and I got along great with the guys at Advanced Guns they were um, super respectful like and it was fun because they made everything a competition too and you know they they accepted me as like as I was um, which was cool and like obviously I remember like the first day they were like why are you here I was like "Um, I'm a machine gunner (laughs) no you're not no you're not they're like are you like uh just going through this like just to see what you do and i was like no (laughs) like i'm i'm in my units one eight like i haven't gotten there yet but they're sending me here to like put me at like the level i should be at because i was um i'd been a lance corporal i think for a year so there was a few other lance corporals going through but it was mostly ncos that were in my class um so the marine corps i think was just trying to spin me up like or educate me to the level that i could have been because they couldn't give me the experience like there was no way for me to get that experience that um, like a machine gunner of like, you know, make two years in the fleet would have had. So I was already at a disadvantage with that because, um, you know, maybe I had all the information like in my hands, like I had memorized everything, like every doctrine that I could, I was like, 
you know, I'm going to have this in my pocket. And um, I did, but the experience wasn't there because there's like rites of passage that, you know, grunts go through. And um, I didn't necessarily have that. And I think it would have been a little bit harder for me um, to gain that because everyone was afraid, um, you know, like, the whole hazing scandals and everything everyone was afraid you know oh what's the female gonna do she's there's all these like preconceived like notions that like oh she's gonna cry hazing and all that stuff and oh, i was yeah. like you know there it was weird because um i couldn't get along too well with my unit i couldn't get along not good enough like it was a really like there was a line that i had to stand on and i couldn't yeah. move i couldn't sway either direction and um I had to outperform people physically and it was just constantly proving yourself. Cause like one, like if you're a male, like you get there, you prove yourself, you're strong, you're a big dude. Okay. You can do that. For me, it was every single time there was no exception. Like you couldn't, you had to prove yourself every time. And mm-hmm. it's like, I've been here two years and you're still making me do everything that like i had already shown you i can do so it was kind of like a horse and dog and pony show horse yeah. and pony show yeah yeah and your mos and everything of being one of the first females i mean you were really kind of blazing the same type of trail that those females are today and trying to go through recon or trying to go through ranger school or not going uh try to they're actually going through yeah. going through sfas but it, of course that i keep mentioning it but there's always this thing and patty knows what i'm talking about where because she experienced it herself and i want to ask her about her thoughts on this about you know women are getting different treatment though they're not having the past the same standards they're getting it because they um they have people who are watching and observing which is added pressure mm-hmm. on the instructors and yeah. um you know w- forcing these individuals through the command element to pass them to make them yeah. go through so yeah. what are your thoughts on that patty when you hear that some of yeah. that still is kind of out there and what you went through even back in the day yeah i think you know I, you never want to compete with services, but I think, I think the Marine Corps struggled a little bit, and 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 it's not even so much as a gender. I mean, we even do that as as older folks, right? We we talk about oh oh you went through this class, well it's easy now, right? Remember we we can hold up your stress card, right? So there's always going to be a little bit of that. Um, I think there's always going to be someone that says you didn't deserve it or you didn't do everything or I was there or I was your I was an evaluator, and that's really unfortunate. Um, I look at, you know, I, I don't know particularly well, but I do have a relationship with, with Kristen and Shay, who were the first two ladies that made it through Ranger School. Um, and I, and I really look at them and they're both branched infantry right now. And they're both company commanders in infantry companies, which is, which is pretty amazing. And I can't help but think it is harder for them because someone is looking for them to misstep, even if it's just slightly right. Where if you're, if you're a guy, you know, we can even stretch that to minorities. You know, if you're, if you're a white guy, pretty much you can do a lot of stupid things and just kind of glide on through. Right. Um, But if you look a little bit different, I think we're changing as a society and this is all good progress, but we're not there yet. Right. We're not at the point now where we can look at women with a ranger tab and say, whatever, that's not a big deal. Right. That's that, that we're, we're close. It'll be a couple years. Um, But I think the Marines, probably because they're a smaller service, probably because they have so much pride. Um, and you got to pee a great advertising campaign, right? The few of the proud or, or whatever the latest and greatest is. And it's really hard. Um, and of course it's not fair. Right. But, but it is what it is. Like when you had said, it really was kind of a pain in the butt when I was called out every day to say, how do you feel? How's it going? What's that like? Right. Yeah. And it's great that you were able to give that real time comment that said, Hey, I'm happy to give you all the feedback I want when I'm done. But like, yeah. Let, 
let me level the playing field so I have the same, you know, the same standards as the next guy. So um, it, it is unfortunate. I think it's, we're going to get through it. We're going to get through it as a society. Yeah. And if we look back on, you know, we did it. Women used to be waxed, right? Um, we're going to get there. It's just going to be, it's going to be a while. And that's unfortunate when yeah. you're ready now and you're excited now. Um, I can be 50 years old and say, thank goodness that ship has sailed for me because my body's kind of broken right now. I wouldn't want to go for too many yeah. long walks. Um, but, but I'm glad to see that change happening. I mean, you're always going to have that. Like, I think like in my case, everyone that I served with can speak on my behalf. Um, but so, there's like still that like, uh, stereotype towards female service members, which is yeah. terrible as it is, but there's always like, Oh, you, you're not like them. You're not like them. It's like, okay, well, they're probably not like that either, but yeah, like, yeah. That's, that's the stereotype. <laughs> Thanks. But, like, I remember, like, the, we did a, our first test, and I scored the highest on our first test. They were announcing our scores to the class, and, you know, that was the first time I think people were like, oh, oh, crap. Like, <laughs> smart, okay. Smart, too. <laughs> smart. You know, and, it, like, they had, I, all I knew was doctrine, and that's all they're testing on. So, um, like, that's where, like, I think I excelled. And then, um, but obviously, like, ex- as I was saying, experience-wise, like, I had to learn from these guys and I think they saw that, Hey, you know, she's, she's not like, Oh, I'm, you know, like I'm coming in here. I'm the first chick, like, you know, respect me. I was kind of like, I was humble in that aspect. I was like, I need to learn from these guys. Cause I know like where I have to go. Um, and for me, everything. I think for me, the lesson here really is about acceptance and acceptance of individuals, the way they are and how they got there instead of falling into the stereotype, falling into the, you know, what's going on in society and everything else. This is focus on the here and now and what we see. And what I see is I see a female who is standing before me with a Ranger tab. I've got to, I've got to imagine that that female went through the same type of training as her male counterparts. And if I'm downgrading her or downplaying what she did then i basically just downplayed every male and and what's happening is in the our community is that we're actually stating even that that oh basically if you got your tab while you went through with the females you probably shouldn't have earned it as well because the standards are low uh, lowered just like you said patty you know my days were harder you know i had to walk uphill barefoot in the snow to get to school you had an easier time and and it's a bit of those uh, as you you know rites of passage and all that kind of stuff that we're going through uh but i think what we're really trying to say here too is that we should just measure you on your merit if you're holding your weight you're doing what you're you're not out there trying to be the poster child for here look i'm woman hear me roar it's more mm-hmm. of i just want to do my damn job so why can't exactly. i just accept that and let you do that that's the difficult thing or the thing we're, we're talking about, no matter what we're talking about in terms of job, private sector, military, whatever, same thing. Cause yeah. Patty, you and I see this as even in the private yeah. sector. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe like, we're, I, honestly, I've seen it worse in the private sector. So yeah, I don't know if that's a good thing to share. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, like when I first got to one eight, they had reporters from like everywhere trying to get into us. And my CEO pulled me in and he was like, do you want to talk to him? It's like, no. no, like I saw that I've already seen the Facebook comments. Like people have already, like people know who I am already, you know, um, they're making, they're making assumptions of me already. And I'd rather yeah. not them not know like my full name or where I'm at. And yeah, you know, people have already posted, there's already that Marine Corps times article, like one eight is receiving the first three female Marines. And some guy saw us at um, SIF and like wrote like one, like, I don't know. He said, he saw, I was at the, when I got to 180, I was 180 pounds. So it was 
I prepared by lifting as much as I could. <laughs> yeah. And um, so like, I think he made a comment on how like strong I looked and he had been like, she, she's probably fine, but it's like, who are you to say that? Like, have first you impression. Seen me do anything? Yeah, real exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And and the female Mortarman, she's a legal midget. She's four foot nine, and she <laughs> can outrun <laughs> all of them. Pretty much anyone I've seen, and she's doing fine. Like she's a she goes to combat instructor school, I think, in January. So like she was my roommate for the two years, and you know she did fine. Um, so it's like, hey, look, a legal midget female can do you know, can be in the infantry. So like, what are you trying to say? It's elite or something because it it's the infantry. It's not special forces. I think we do ourselves more harm by actually trying to highlight. Um, it's kind of what you're talking about because when I think it was Lieutenant Hodge that recently came over to be the first 173rd airborne, you know, um, officer there, female, you know, Ranger tab. But when you bring that type of attention, it's a female. They're going to that leadership role. Oh, by the way, you just show a picture on the army social media with her tab and people know her name and that she was one of the first cyclies or whatever, you know, went to ranger school or the first African-American female to go to ranger school or the first this or whatever, you know, you're putting that out there. And I think it's great in one hand that you're actually stating, hey, we have women that are capable of doing this. But Patty and I both know women have been doing these types of roles for a very long time without the limelight. And I think it should have remained that way by the fact that we're now highlighting it. We're causing more harm. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe. I don't know. And maybe I'm a guy saying uh, that. So, Patty, you you may be disagreeing uh, yeah. with me. I don't know. No, I, I have I have mixed feelings for sure. Yeah. I think um, one person add to your list of who you should interview is, is named Sue Fulton. And she was in the first graduating class of women from West Point. Um, she's also openly gay. And so when Don't Ask, Don't Tell was repealed, she... Um, flipped her nose at the service academy and got married at West Point, which is pretty, I mean, she's, she's on their alumni committee, so she's still incredibly involved. Right. Um, one thing she said, and I, and I love her to death is never read the comments. Right. And it's really easy to like, you know, I don't want to read the comments. I don't want to be part of social media. I think, um, you know, I think, I think when the, when the army put its first group of women through ranger school, they did a really good job of trying to protect them. And I, 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 I suspect either these ladies are pretty incredible or someone had a really good talk with them and said, you don't need to do anything you don't want to do. And if all you want to do is be a soldier, we're going to protect you as much as we possibly can. Um, don't read the comments. Right. Yeah. Um, I do have mixed feelings on, do you, do you put it in the media or do you not? I think, um, first of all, I, I was never as cool as any of them you all are. So, so don't, don't say that, but um, I think it's easier when you slid under the radar that nobody had to know and you just went and you did your thing and, and maybe your family knew and, and frankly your family knew but they probably didn't really understand anyway so it didn't yeah. matter and it was really that anonymity was really nice actually and I think it took one less layer of stress um, away so um, I felt like every other person at a school or doing a thing so I think that's yeah. that's kind of cruddy you know the flip side is um it's nice for younger women growing up now in high school or even in college or even during their first enlistment to say, Hey, there are new options available for me and I can be four, nine, or I can be five, five, or I can be six, one, and I can still be successful. So I have mixed feelings for sure. Yeah. yeah there's, there's no right answer. Um, yeah. You know, bearing that cross is kind of heavy for you for sure. And that's unfortunate, but the flip side is that's kind of an honor also because you did it and you earned it. So you, you should celebrate it a little bit. Yeah. 
going back on the comments, like I used to, I used to put them, I was saving them on my desktop. I'd screenshot the worst ones and use them as motivation. I was like, oh. you know, I'm going to prove them wrong. I know. Now I'm like, why did I do that? I just wrote my first college essay on like the comments and yeah. um, I put them in. I was like, how censored does this essay need to be? And my like, <laughs> she's like, don't censor it at all. Like that it's going to be more powerful that way. I was like, all right, sweet. This is one of the comments I'm using. Yeah. Like, we might want to see your dog right now, actually. Uh, yeah. Yeah. This is her. Hello. What's her name? Bailey. Bailey. Hi, Bailey. Bailey looks pretty She's awesome. seven months. I was going to say, she looks like, old. yeah, it looks like she was under two for sure. Yeah. Yeah, she wants to play. So but you end up spending out. a total of, what, five years in or six years in? Uh, four and a half years. Okay. So I had extended, um, I was trying to go to ANS, and that's how um, Weir and I, or Allie and I actually had met because um, we we met through Instagram and she was like, we have the same goals. And we were like, okay, that's awesome. Like, and we had initially like wanted to go at the same class and um, my package was in, it was accepted. I was training. I was over training. Um, of course. So that, and I was like, that was one thing that I was always like, oh, I can't get hurt because then I fit that stereotype. Um, but since I was over training, I was doing about, I was doing three days. I was swimming. I was rucking four times a week. I was going to the gym maybe sometimes twice a day. So four days, I guess at some point. Um, and I was doing that for a couple months, probably like four or five months. And I ended up hurting myself. So at that point I was like, great, I'm living up to the stereotype. I hurt myself. Um, at that point, I didn't know what my injury was. Um, and then I guess I want to bash on the healthcare in the military, but it's not the greatest. And, uh, so I, after like, I, I was squatting when I hurt myself, I ended up herniating three discs in my back and, um, mm. they told me it was bulging. Um, they wouldn't really do anything for me. They flew me to ITX where I had to be a road guard since I couldn't do anything else. So, um, I was just sitting in the desert doing nothing, not healing, not and at that point. I was like three months out from my ANS state. And I was like, you know, I, and I was constantly talking to the recruiters. I was like, this is what's going on. Like I'm in the desert. I can't get to a pool. I can't get to a physical therapist. I can't do anything. My unit's not really being proactive about it. Um, and so I had waited and I'd made the decision, you know, I'm going to push to that April de- that April date instead of the January class. Um, so I did that and then I got back and it was just kind of the same known as being proactive except me about it. But I, there's only so much I can do. Like I can't walk into the Naval hospital and be like, Hey, give me an MRI. There's that stupid long process that you have to do. And I did that and they were like, okay, you, you labral tears in both your hips. You have herniated discs. I was like, sweet, like, (laughs) cool. Um, then my, uh, the surgeon in like the battalion surgeon, he had told me that I needed surgery. So I'm thinking I need surgery. And I'm like, it's weeks before my ANS date. And I'm like, I could probably hold out, you know, I could probably still do it, but I'm trying to make a smart decision here so I was like you know what I need to say like hold off on that for a little bit let's get fixed and um, I'm getting closer to my EAS date too and um, I'm like a month out from my EAS date and they finally sent me to the surgeon at the naval hospital and he goes um he's like well yeah you've herniated discs but uh he's like did you go to physical therapy I'm like yeah, it didn't really help. And he's like, well, that's the problem. He's like, had you gone to a physical therapist that could have helped? Like, you don't need surgery. You don't need any of this. The past six months have been a waste. So I was like, well, that's like, 
sweet. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know if that's good to hear or not, because I was excited that I didn't, I didn't need the surgery. I was also a little upset that everything had been wasted. Um, yeah. So that was frustrating, but yeah. So what <laughs> happened at that point? You had to separate? I, yeah, I had to make a decision. I was like, you know what? Do I extend again? Um, or reenlist again? And I decided just to get out, you know, if I did do want to get back in in the future, then that option could still be there. But right now I'm just doing college and kind of enjoying mm. my freedom. What so. did they say that you had to do now in order to basically correct yourself? If physical therapy was one of those options you had early on and surgery mm-hmm. is no longer an option, what do they give you as an option in order to heal thyself basically? And, and so, you know? yeah. So they, um, they told me, uh, the physical therapist was strictly working with my back. And she's like, it's very rare for a physical therapist not to work with both hips and back, especially for female service members. And so I've been super adamant about this. I'm always like, you know, like if you're a female in the military and you're trying to go into the infantry, you're trying to go special, like special operations, you, you need to take care of yourself. You need to know your body, how far you can push it, what hurts, what doesn't hurt, how to put your pack on, how to pack your pack. Um, and like, I've had a bunch of females reach out to me on Instagram and be like, Hey, I want to be in the infantry. Like, what do I need to do to start training? I'm like, okay, well, so put a, like a rock on your back and you don't need to run. You can just walk, but get it, get your feet broken in. Um, you know, cause males go and males, their feet break, they get stress fractures in their feet yeah. and their shins. And, um, especially with hips being like one of the most common injuries, like you need to know, like what's good or not. And the surgeon had actually told me, he's like, yeah, 70% of the service has labral tears in their hips. They just don't know about it. Yeah. I was like, okay, well, I guess that's, that's cool. Um, he's like, yours only started to hurt because of um, the back injury that was being treated as bulging discs, which are just kind of like on their way to herniation. So um, I think it's just knowing your body and knowing how to like be educated. And like you were saying earlier, like, with media, like those articles going out and like high schoolers seeing like, oh, hey, these options are out for me. Like that's when I think people should start training for this. Like if you have an idea in your head that you want to go um, special force and you're a female, like that's when you need to start training for it, like years. Mm. Um, and I made that decision, I guess, a little too late for myself. And but obviously for women, it's going to be a little bit different path as well because oh, you're yeah. going to have to, like you said, you're going to have to take care of your body. There's a right way to do it. And if you don't do mm-hmm. it the right way and if there's not enough information out there that's available to women about how to do it the right way, you could certainly injure yourself, not even realize yeah. it before you even get on active duty. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So there's, I mean, there's ways around it. I mean, <clears throat> you go on Instagram and, um, you look at all the different programs. There's like Mountain Tactical Institute. I was using that at some point. I was using the um, like the trainers on Camp Geiger at one point, all at the same time, which was my error there. Um, yeah. So I was like, I'm doing these like preventative measures. Like, why did I get hurt? It's because I was doing everything all at once. Um, mm. But um, I mean, there's all these like information outlets that people can use to to train for these things. Um, they just have to, I guess explore for the uh, women that you could give advice to outside of just preparation on a physical standpoint what other advice would you give them Um, if if they're looking at even joining into the service in the first place but let alone going into something it's going to be a lot more rigorous like in combat arms uh infantry you know mortar whatever uh artillery um, as well as special operations. There's some of those, as we were just talking about, that just want to mm-hmm. go straight. They want to go option 40. They want to go 18 yeah. x-ray in the Army. They want to, you know, they're hearing those opportunities are available to them. 
So yeah. there's probably a lot more than just the physical aspects of this as well. Yeah. Um, probably having tough skin and like sticking to your gut. I mean, that's something when I first got to one eight, that's, you know, I kind of like, I would, I remember I would like hide in my room because I was like, I don't want people to make assumptions. Like, you know, and my friend had a house off base, so she would, she would just be like, you can come here for the weekend. Um, so I was like, I would try to hide and, um, not be kind of be invisible. Um, and at that point, like, you know, not necessarily was the wrong decision, but it also wasn't like, you know, why, why should I have to be invisible? You know, I should just walk around and carry myself how I'm supposed yeah. to carry myself. Um, but, and then as far as like comments go, like having thick skin, cause I know a lot of people like, um, you know, it's a lot of things that people say are pretty offensive, but you need to be able to be like, why does that guy matter? You know, those yeah. who mind don't matter and those who matter don't mind kind of deal. Um, cause I used to look at those comments and they were, they were motivation. Cause I was like, Oh, what a jerk. Like, <laughs> you know, I'm going to prove him wrong. Um, like, and you would click on his page and it's like middle-aged fat man that has no military experience. So you're like, why? Like, yeah. What, your opinion really doesn't matter. Or a 14-year-old paintballer who's never even gone through the training <laughs> in the first place. Exactly. Um, I mean, let's be real. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sometimes the, the people who are making a lot of the comments have never been there, walked in your shoes. And I know we did an episode specifically on special operations females and about the first women that actually went through SFAS. And we were talking about that. Mike Pritz was actually in North Carolina at the time. She was going through um, some of the training and selection. And um, he, he made that same comment. He started off the show with the words of, if you haven't been there, if you haven't done it, yeah. basically shut the F up, you know. And, you know, and so I'm, my next question really is then now you have an opportunity to tell some of those people that would make those comments. What, what advice would you give them uh, before they make those comments? I don't really think there is advice for them because they're going to make the comments. <laughs> they're going to make those comments anyways. Um, you know, like, stupid is as stupid does, and everyone has an opinion. Everyone <laughs> wants to feel important, and Facebook and Instagram is, I guess, a good place for them to do that because people see the comments. It's just like an endless cycle. So, like, there really is no advice I can give to them. Just shut up. <laughs> <laughs> but that I can't really – that's not really advice. That's just, you know – you know, it's basically what you're saying is continue, like we said before, mind your own business. Do what you yeah. – don't read into everything and believe mm -hmm. everything that you read and, um, yeah. you know, just take it as a face value of what you see in front of you. And are you carrying your weight? Are you doing what you're supposed to be doing? And let's yeah. face it, at the end of the day, we want that same thing from every male that's on our team. Every, you know, every guy should be carrying their weight and doing their own thing. And that yet um, we also know that each of us have weaknesses. And so Patty may be yeah. carrying more weight than I am because I, I can't do that. But yet I might be better than Patty at something else. And so yeah. that's why it's called teamwork. Um, exactly. You know, and, and so we're supposed to take care of one another. Yep. That when you throw a new equation in. Like, you know, why is it that, you know, race, creed, color, sex or whatever that we're supposed to be? I remember back in the day, the army, it was we're all green. Well, it sounds yeah. like we've changed that. You know, we're not exactly. all green anymore. You know, let's get back to the basics and stuff. So what's next for uh, Savannah? What's going on in your life? You said you're going to college, but you yeah. also you gave us a glimmer of hope there that you might go back in. So what what's it's, what's on the horizon? Honestly, like. I, I do miss the service. You know, I got out on like kind of bad terms, I guess, with it. Um, but right now I'm just, I guess, enjoying my time out, going to school. I, of course, started the summer semester. So it's like a four hour class two times a week, which is 
it's English, so it's boring. Um, so that's probably not the good, the greatest. Like, right. That's not really a toe dipper. That's like a cannonball. And then I drown yeah. myself a little bit. But um, hopefully the fall semester I can get a more normal schedule and like get into the classes that I like. Right now, um, I did want to be a dermatologist because I was like, that's a nice paycheck. You know, that's an easy life. But the school part, that wouldn't be easy. And I realized that when I took, I think I, my first class was trigonometry and I had done math in five years. <laughs> so the first day I dropped it. <laughs> I was like, I'm not gotcha. doing this. Um, but um, slowly easing back into school, trying to figure out like what direction that I want to go. But I certainly like history. I'm very interested in war history. So you got to look at uh, meteorologists, you know, uh, yeah. it's the best job out there. You don't have to be yeah. right, but half the time and you never get fired if you're wrong. So, exactly, you, know, exactly. <laughs> you know, it seems to be the best job and I don't know how well they get paid, but I got to, yeah, God. I'm sure it's decent. Yeah, sure probably decent. so. Well, yeah. we wish you nothing but the best, Savannah, and thank you for coming on the show and sharing your background and history. I think the advice and, and the you know, that you gave both the individuals your own, through your own experience and by sharing your story of what you had to go through and um, as well as to the females who are actually thinking of entering. Because, as you know, as more and more start evaluating and looking at the opportunities that are available to them, they're going to want to know, OK, you've been there, you you know, you've, you've gone down that path. What's the best advice for me? I think you would also agree, though, too, that. Times have changed even every month that goes by or every year that goes by. Have, like Patty, I think you said earlier of how we're going to eventually evolve. We'll adapt um, and yeah. we'll start not looking at it quite so much as a microscope. I think today females going to ranger school, it's not as much of a big deal as it is now for them going through SFAS. That too shall pass. So um, I think your your episode is really, you know, this show has uh, had a lot of great advice for individuals uh, from both walks of life. And as Patty said, we can both attest, it doesn't get any easier when you walk out the door and go to the private sector, <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, wish you nothing but the best. Um, I will say, hey, the army is still pretty excited about you. So, you know, don't don't rule that out. Um, yeah, that would be pretty awesome. I, I, uh, I will share my own. I spent 10 years with a hip pain before I got a hip labral tear diagnosis as well. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I actually have... I have a stem cell therapy treatment plan on Monday to see okay. if we can uh, give me a little relief because I, I don't want a hip replacement. <laughs> yeah, no. But I'm, no. I'm a little bit older than you by like, you know, times two at least and then some. So, no, this was awesome. Thanks so much for sharing it with us. And um, thank you for, you know, the journey that you chose to take because um, I think most of the negative comments come from people that didn't have the guts to try. Um, exactly. regardless of their gender or their background. So um, thanks for, you know, thanks for being the first one out there. And, and thank you for all the women that are going to come after you or the, or the, you know, the little people or the, oh, yeah. you know, ethnically not represented people. So that's awesome. Thanks for doing Absolutely. that. Thank you for having me guys. Yeah, you bet.